You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tide or Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. For the first time since 1991, an amateur has won on the PGA Tour. Nick Dunlap wins the American Express. Wow. How about that? Sunday, Southern California, Nick Dunlap, 20-year-old University of Alabama sophomore. In fact, just turned 20, makes history. He becomes the first amateur golfer to win an event on the PGA Tour since Phil Mickelson back in 1991. That's 33 years ago. And Dunlap did it in impressive, impressive fashion to consider that he had a three-shot lead going into the final round, paired with 15-time tour winner, two-time major champion, and former Alabama star Justin Thomas in five-time PGA Tour winner and former LSU standout Sam Burns. And on the seventh hole, he hit probably one of the worst shots he's ever hit. Justin, you got to admit, that was a terrible shot. Uh, I guess just a full-fledged shank. Into the water, made double bogey, eventually lost his lead. Now, this is what makes it impressive to me. He lost his lead to Sam Burns, And Justin, I don't know how you felt, but at that point, I thought it was over. I thought he has lost his lead. This pro, who is one of the better putters on the PGA Tour, will go ahead and and win this event. It didn't happen. Dunlap rallied, took the lead, or tied, tied. And then on the 17th hole, which is probably the toughest hole on the golf course, It is pretty much not an island par three like at the Players' Championship on the TPC Sawgrass, but it is, to some degree, kind of like an island green. I mean, you either hit the green or around it or you're in trouble. After Dunlap had tied, Bernie the 16th to tie it up, he hits it on the green, JT gets it on the green, and then Burns hit it in the water. I hate to say uh, it was my doing, but I was at home, and it was it, no disrespect to Sam Burns, but I was I was saying, hey, there's some water right there. I, I said it on 17 and 18, and he did it on both. It's incredibly lucky. He did, uh, and you know, pressure can get to even the pros, and there's just no doubt uh, no doubt about it. But what made it weird, and 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 Justin caught a little bit of my ire, is after. Burns hit it in the water. Nick Dunlap took a two-shot lead because Burns doubled and Dunlap hard. So it did look like it was over. But playing ahead of Dunlap, JT, and Sam Burns was Christian Basenhout, the South African, who was two back. 18 is a very 
another very difficult hole. But Bazenhout, while Dunlap is getting ready to tee off and teeing off on the 18th, makes a birdie, Justin. And all of a sudden, he's just one back. So that two-shot cushion that you felt like Dunlap would have, this makes the victory even more impressive, is suddenly gone. Well, there's no scoreboard. So at some point, Dunlap had to find out, but he didn't know initially. So he hits what I guess you could consider the safe shot. Like you said, you can't go in the water left. You just can't. So he hits it over in the mounds to the right, pretty much the same place that Basinghout had hit it. But Basinghout makes that birdie, and then the second shot for Dunlap, and now he wasn't the only one. I mean, that's part of playing pro guys. As good as these guys are, these crowds help out. Dunlap hit a shot that was way right, but it got into the crowd, made contact with a with someone on the ground, got hit down the hole into the little collection area. But still, and I know they're saying, well, you know, a tour pro will get this up eight out of ten times. Well, first of all, Dunlap's not a pro. Secondly, he's playing with the greatest pressure that you can play with. That was not an easy... So at that point, when I'm getting all these texts, I'm like texting people back. I, as soon as Benjamin made the birdie, I'm like, whoa, this thing's not over. Slow your roll. And nobody meant it like that, but I'm just very superstitious. But was, I was so impressed with it up and down. In fact, I thought the shot, the chippy hit, was going to stop about a foot or two. And it had a little momentum. So it goes past nearly six feet. Now, Justin, six feet putt, or five feet, nine inches, whatever it was exactly, but nearly six feet. Those are not gimmies. In fact, for people like us, you had to... It's the opposite of a gimme. Yeah, yeah. Like those are those tons of pressure. In fact, there are no gimmies for me. I mean, we might play gimmies occasionally, but let me tell you something. The pressure's on. You know, I'll miss a three-footer with the best of them. But then to have to stand up there knowing that you got a chance to make history and roll that six-footer in, and I mean, it is center cup. It was never a doubt. Wow. Just wow. And I know there's tons of football, but we had to open with that this morning. So, all right, Justin, let me go ahead and do the housekeeping, then we'll get back on Nick Dunlap, and we'll run it all down. This is the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC. I'm your host, Gary Harris. Justin Jones is right there on the other side of the glass, manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condominiums hotline at 205-342. And yes, uh, 9904, 205-342-9904. And yes, we want to hear from you. Tons to talk about. What a weekend. A lot going on with Alabama football, Alabama basketball, women's basketball, gymnastics, and of course the PGA Tour with Nick Dunlap. And we're going to dive full speed into Nick Dunlap all throughout the program, particularly in the second hour with Casey Smith on golf at 1030. Before we do anything else, though, I need to let you know this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you, as always, by Alabama Credit Union, the help you need from the people you trust. Schedule and complete a interview and uh, get a meeting with an ACU financial coach. How about that? Do it in January and receive $25. Schedule a meeting now. Find out more at alabamacu.com, alabamacu.com. Help out yourself, help out your finances, and get a $25 bonus if you schedule a meeting with an ACU financial coach in the month of January. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, 9.30, Rodney Orr, TiderInsider.com, Tider Insider TV, plenty of Alabama football to talk about. 10.30, Casey Smith on golf. All the 
ins and outs of what happened with Nick Dunlap. And I know Wimp and Barry were discussing it this morning, too. Uh, let me just go ahead and say, Justin, that I do expect Nick Dunlap to turn pro now. And, and, and well, he's going to turn pro after his season at Alabama anyway. But I don't think he'll play this season for Alabama. That's just my opinion. And I think J.C. Will will be good with that. Listen, does it change Alabama's golf team? Absolutely. Does Alabama go from one of the favorites to win the national championship to a, just a good team if he goes pro? Sure. Uh, but this is – there are extenuating circumstances in life. And this is about as extenuating as it gets. I mean, you just want a PGA Tour event. Now, listen – he doesn't get the $1.5 million, first of all. That goes to, to Bayes and Hout, and then right on through JT and, and the other uh, third-place finisher gets second-place money and all that. They don't get the FedEx points, but they do get the money. Uh, so he you know, he doesn't get $1.5 million, which is a lot, a lot, of, a lot of cash, all right? That's a lot of money right there. But he gets everything else that goes with it. He gets the, if he turns pro, he gets the, the winner's exemptions. Now, he's already in all these major championships except for the PGA because of his U.S. Amateur Championship. He's already in the Masters. He's already in the, uh, uh, the Open Championship. Now, if he turns pro before the Open, he's not qualified for the Open Championship. That goes away because that is for the reigning U.S. Amateur. And if you're not amateur... You don't get it. But he does get in the PGA, and he still have a chance to earn a spot in the uh, Open Championship. So you say, well, yes, he could come back. He's already got an endorsement deal with Adidas. How smart does Adidas look right now, Justin? Pretty smart. Because they outfitted him, I guess, what was it, before his U.S. Amateur Championship or right after? I uh, think they, it was they, right before his. Okay, yeah, they signed, Adidas then, yeah. Yeah, they signed him up for a full apparel deal. So... They're looking pretty smart right now. <laughs> but uh, he could he could come back and play his uh, season at Alabama, which was, is what he was going to do. Uh, he was already, he was already, as we know, very accomplished. I mean, he won the U.S. Amateur. He won two other major amateur championships. Uh, you know, so he was on the radar for big things. But he had planned to play this season at Alabama, play the Masters as an amateur. Uh, probably play the U.S. Open as an amateur, and maybe even play the Open Championship as an amateur, and then turn pro. I think that was his plan. Certainly, I know it was to play the, the, the uh, Masters as an amateur and probably the U.S. Open as an amateur. Now, though, he is a winner on the PGA Tour. So, again, he's got a lot of decisions to make. He's already got a team. He's already got a sports psychologist, a financial counselor, a team around him. Uh, J.C. Wall was there. They'll all get together. But my guess is that, um, and he's going to play. He's going to play this week out at Torrey Pines. So, Justin, it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he could go ahead and turn pro this week, because I and and we'll get into the whole. You know, I know Barry feels strongly that you know he should get the money. Amateur should, but I don't. There's got to, you know, I know there are no rules left in college football, but there are rules in golf. There are rules. You know, as an amateur, and he knows this, and he's, is an, if you play as an amateur, you don't qualify for the money. That That's just the way it is. Uh, you turn professional, you qualify for the money. I don't think you should get the money. Well, and you're right, Gary, and simply it's the PJ Tour and professional golf out of all of the professional sports leagues define amateur the best. They sure do. They draw the line the best. They sure do, and he knew that going in. So, you know, I, I don't think he should get the money. He's not asking for the money. Uh, the only people that seem to be upset that he's not getting the money are people like us that do these kind of shows. I mean, he uh, he's perfectly cool with the system the way it is. And, and listen, he's going to make plenty of money. 
uh, already is making plenty of money. He'll make even more now. But to play another tournament now as an amateur when you're a PGA Tour winner, because let's be clear on this too. As I said, he gets all of the perks of PGA Tour winner, including being a PGA Tour winner. And what I mean by that is he is already a PGA Tour winner, even though he won it as an amateur. You know, there are a lot of guys out there been playing 10 years and never won a PGA Tour event. He's already done that. No, he doesn't get the $1.5 million. But he got in on a sponsor's exemption that was given to him. He was the only amateur in the field. And so I know everywhere else in sports now, we just want to give everybody a, a, a barrel full of cash. And we want to just say, oh, you know what? Let's just give him plenty of money. But like Justin just said, and he's right, that's the beauty of golf. Golf lays out its amateur rules so everybody knows and NIL at a university has nothing to do with the rules of golf. In other words, he can get all the NIL money he wants. But if you play in a professional golf event as an amateur, you don't qualify for the prize. Period. That's the way it is. It's the way it works. And he knows that, and every amateur knows that. He never even mentioned the money. So no, he shouldn't get the money. And you can't turn pro after the event and say, I want the money. Now, he can turn pro this week, and he will be playing for a check at Torrey Pines. We'll see what happens. All right, we're up against the clock. Time flies, and as I said, we got a lot to do. We come back on the other side. Tom, we'll get to your phone call. Hold tight with us, my friend. And uh, we're going to talk plenty of football, I promise. Recruiting is hot and heavy. The new staff is uh, pretty much in place. Uh, Alabama's lost a lot of players to the portal. I guess we could call Columbus, Ohio, Tuscaloosa, Alabama North now with the additions of Caleb Downs, Seth McLaughlin, and Julian Sayan. We'll discuss all of that, and, and we'll discuss this Nick Dunlap story because this is a huge story. This isn't just a Alabama story. This is a national story. If you're a golf fan, you understand the significance of an amateur winning a PGA Tour event. It happens very rarely. 33 years was the last time. 33 years. There aren't many things in sports that you go back 33 years since it happened. Gary, to add it even further, we know Phil Mickelson was the last. Nick Dunlap is the youngest amateur to win since 1910. Yeah, he just turned 20 years old. Like I said, he was a teenager until just a few weeks ago. So, amazing story, and we're going to continue to talk about it. All right, we'll take our first break. This hour is being brought to, by, brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. We'll be back with Tom on the hotline and... We'll take more phone calls if you want to give us a ring, 205-342-9904. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9, brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Third-ranked Alabama gymnastics remains undefeated this season with a tie against fourth-ranked Arkansas on Friday. Head coach Ashley Johnston met with the media after the meet. Yeah, what a night. There was a, lo a lot of highs and a few lows, um, but overall the team rallied. They fought for every single tenth. They showed resilience. They showed fight. 
And um, I think what I'm most excited about is that 25% of those routines were brand new tonight. And so six of the 24 were, were either um, first time career stars or first time this season. And so I think that says a lot about the depth of this team um, that we can have really anybody in the mix and we're still going to be able to find a way to keep making progress and keep making improvements. And so um, that's really my takeaway tonight and what I'm most excited about. I'll have more in a moment. You know, in today's world, companies are looking for business partners, other companies they can depend on to help make their business successful. At the Crimson Tide Sports Network, we have found that partner in Dex Imaging. So when it comes to office solutions and a partner you can depend on, give Dex Imaging a call. For more information, go to DexImaging.com. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance at 6 p.m. on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa. Hey Coach is available to listen to across the radio network and a video stream available as well on all CTSN social media platforms. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Patterson Co Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The warming trend continues today, partly to mostly sunny, the high 52. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with the low at 42. Tomorrow, cloudy, some light rain at times, the high 62. Wednesday, rain likely, maybe a thunderstorm, the high 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 37 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. All right, 922, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Another quick thought on, on Nick Dunlap turning pro is he already has an endorsement deal, apparel deal with uh, with. Um, Adidas, which they look pretty smart now, signing him up uh, last year. <laughs> and he, whoo, Lord, you know they're happy with that that deal. Uh, if I were an American Express, I, I would sign him up immediately. I'm, hey, he just won the American Express. He made history. I'd sign him up. Is there a chance that his um, endorsers or companies that want to, to sign up with him could say, hey, man, we'd love for you to go ahead and play your season at Alabama. We're going to front you all this money. We think it would be a great, great story for you to play at Alabama and then turn pro. I guess there's a possibility that could happen. And, you know, so I'm not saying that he won't play at Alabama. I don't know. I'm just saying my my guess is based on, you know, winning that tournament yesterday that he, that he turns pro. I just think that's that's where everything points at this point. All right, let's jump out on the uh, First of Mankato's hotline. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Gary. I roll into La Quinta. Last week, I played a couple of practice rounds, and I've never played in a professional golf tournament per se before. But I roll in there and Thursday, I throw a little sixty-four out there, and I say, "Boys, how y'all like that? How do y'all like that little sixty-four? I just threw up on the leaderboard, and then I proceed therefore unto." to win the tournament and my first rattle out of the box. How huge is that? Well, it's unbelievable. Like like I said, it, it, it's um, it's immortality, really. Now, on top of that, 
when I roll down Magnolia Lane in April, I'm going in with Big Willie in the car, right? Well, he's yeah, he he's he's a he's he's a, listen, he's you know, I think he had played was it just in three tour events, missed the cut in all three of them. I'm pretty sure I know he's playing in the US Open. So um as good as he's playing and as good as he is and as talented as he is in the summer that he had, there was no way in the world to foresee what he would do. I'll give you an example. The odds for him to win this tournament were 450 to 1. Meaning, and I don't gamble. I don't gamble on an app. I don't gamble through. I don't gamble. But if you're an Alabama fan, Justin, you just said for the heck of it, I'm going to lay $1,000 on Nick Dunlap. I got 1000 You'd have won 450 grand. If you'd have put 100 down, you'd have won 45,000. Um, I wonder if there's, of course, I know they, all these people on social media check these apps and these app companies turn it out. I get, you know, you just think, you know, as an Alabama fan, if you're a gambler, and I'm not, but if you're a gambler, uh, you're following Alabama, you're an Alabama fan and you're a golf fan, Tom, you know, I, I'm surprised somebody didn't get on one of those apps and throw a hundred bucks on him. Just say, what the heck? A <laughs> hundred bucks to win 45 grand. Barry and coach was having a discussion with uh, Doug Bell this morning. And uh, Doug brought up the fact that uh, the agent for for Nick is the same agent as uh, Bryson. De, uh, what's his name? Bryson uh, DeChambeau. Yeah, <coughs> is he really the same agent that he's got? Oh Lord! And uh, live. And, uh, and then they 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 speculated a little bit. They kept talking about the relationship that agent has with the live guys. And so they speculated a little further, and they said, you know, uh, Doug, what, uh, Barry asked uh, Doug, said, what, what do you think uh, that Leo is thinking about with uh, Nick? And, 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 and they came to a figure, and this is all speculative now. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's all speculation. But they said that Liv could maybe offer him $100 million. To, uh, to to leave college and start playing on their tour, and uh, and, and I agree with them. Uh, you know what? Those opportunities don't come along <laughs> every day, to say the least. And uh, but when is, is Casey coming on today? Yeah, he's coming on at ten thirty, and and they don't come yeah, along. Well, but I, but, a, I'm, but I'm going to tell you this. The, um, I, you know, again, if he, if they offer him a hundred million dollar deal and he takes it, nobody's going to blame him. But at the same time, uh, you know, he can make a lot of money on the PGA tour too. And he can play for real championships. And just like yesterday, he can play for history. Uh, I, I don't think you can do that on live. I, I don't think you can, you know, you can, you, you, you know, if you're a footnote when you win a live tournament, I mean, even the live guys, you know, for them to really make any, any national headlines, they have to, what, you know, they have to win a major championship because nobody remembers who wins any of these live events. So he's 20 years old. He's got a future ahead of him making a lot of money. Uh, you know, are you, are you just take the, you just take the money grab right off the bat? Or do you say, I want to play real golf and win real championships? I don't know. You know? Yeah. Well, I don't either, but, uh, I, I'm, I get your point and, and, and it's a valid point about the prestige of the, uh, majors and, and the tournaments on the PGA versus Leo. But, uh, Casey says that uh, a merger is imminent, and uh, and and you could never blame Nick. If that's the case, if you believe that's going to be the case, that you're going to have world ranking no matter which tour you play on, 
if you're Nick, you take that money and and uh, and you secure your. No, if you're Nick, you take that money. We don't know what Nick's going to do. You're saying you're you're looking through Tom's eyes. You know, if I'm Nick, I'll take it. But we don't know how Nick thinks. Nick Nick may have an endorsement deal with somebody for millions of dollars. He may have another endorsement, and he may want to play the PGA Tour, regardless of whether there's going to be a pending merger or not. And we don't know that for sure. I mean, we'll have to see. And what will the merger look like? There may still be split events. So I understand what you're saying, Tom, but you're not. You know, we're not Nick Dunlap. You know, that's he, he may look at he's 20 years old, 20 year old young men look at things a lot differently than I'm 59 and you're in your 60s. So I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. But when you say if you're Nick Dunlap, you take it. No, you can't because you're not Nick Dunlap and I'm not either. But uh, the fact of the matter is, I was so thrilled that uh, he and JT were together yesterday. And I'm thrilled, uh, you know, about the, the prospects of the Masters be uh uh, Bama being represented at the Masters this year, and uh, how much fun that'll be to keep up with it. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome, Tom. Um, it's going to be going to be unbelievable. But I, hey, look, when Casey comes on at ten thirty, would you ask him what he thinks about uh, what the value of somebody like Nick would be to uh, live to sign? Yeah, I think will. That's, that's interesting to speculate and talk about. Yeah, I will definitely. I'm going to ask him all those questions. I really, really am, Tom. Okay, great. All right, Tom, thank Thanks, you. Gary. All right, 930, we'll get to the break. We'll come back. Seven minutes in front of the hour of 10 o'clock. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show on Time 100.9 FM, 1230 AM, WTBC. I'm Gary Harris. Justin Jones is manning the controls. And we're going to jump out on the first domain condominiums hotline and welcome in Mr. Tider Insider, Rodney Orr. Good morning, Rodney. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well. We're about to jump into football here in, in just a second. But... Um, We've been talking a lot of golf this morning, and I know you got a lot of golfers on your board, and I'm sure this is not the norm, uh, but I'm sure there's quite a bit of golf talk yesterday afternoon on TiderInsider.com of what Nick Dunlap was doing. Yeah, no, there really was. I mean, there's still some discussion about it right now. I mean, there's still a lot of discussion about that on TiderInsider.com, but, you know, it's mixed in with some other things, obviously, as well. A lot of things going on with football and recruiting and all of those things, so... Uh, but yeah, it's gotten its share, uh, fair share of discussion. Yeah, because he made history, and that is impressive. All right, let's get to the football though, because uh, there is a lot going on, and it's and and to be honest with you, right, it's hard to keep up with it. I mean, it's hard to keep up with who's going 
into the portal, who's asking out of their uh, national letters of intent, who's coming in. Um, I mean, it was a whirlwind weekend as far as news on that front. So uh, just pick us up, if you if you will, Rod, first with just the players that, uh, that are coming into Alabama. Well, uh, right now, obviously, uh, they had some guys that visited this weekend and a few of those University of Washington transfers that we kind of expected. Uh, we, we even said late last week that, uh, you know, our sources were telling us that, that uh, keep a close eye on uh, three in particular. I mean, obviously, Austin Mack, you know, made that decision. The quarterback who uh, was a freshman at Washington this last season, uh, he's only 17 years old. He skipped his senior year to enter Washington last season. So, uh, 6'6", 230 pounds. I mean, this guy's really big, got a tremendous arm, a lot of tools. You know, again, he's really, really young. He just turned 17 in June, so uh, not even 18 years old. And then um, a couple of the transfers, Parker Brelsford, who is mm-hmm. a center, maybe the best center in the country, uh, certainly one of the top centers in the country, was second-team All-Pac-12 last season. Um, you know, he's uh, transferring in guy that uh, I actually spoke to an offensive lineman around the SEC and asked about him saying, look, you know, the guy's 6'2", he's listed about 280, 275, 280. Isn't he a little small? You know, he said, no, not really. Not especially for, you know, the kind of system that they run. And he talked about his arm length, you know, being an extreme advantage for him, that he has extremely long arms and that, you know, he could be really effective in the SEC with what they do and how smart he is, intelligent. He does the things that, uh, you know, really good centers can do. Uh, and then also Jeremy Bernard, the wide receiver who we, we posted last week to keep an eye on this guy. We're told that you know, there's a good chance he may, uh, you know, commit to Alabama on his visit this weekend. He's, uh, again, he did a really nice job there at Washington last year, 34 catches, 400-something yards, a couple of touchdowns, a couple of touchdowns rushing. He was a punt return guy, had over 700 yards all purpose. He was a guy, Gary, that when you look at, they had three receivers that were in front of him, but all three of those guys are projected as, what, what, top 50 picks, I think? So, you know, you look at him, he was probably going to be their number one guy this year. He's got good size. He's 6'1". He's 205 pounds. He's really explosive. Uh, So that's a big pickup because I think when you look at this and you're bringing in these Washington players, I think it's good in terms of they can kind of set the tone in some of those rooms. Now, the quarterback room with Mack and, you know, the offensive line room with Brailsford, the, the, the wide receiver room, they know what to expect. They know what this system is. So I think that they can really actually help current Alabama players, you know, in, in some ways in terms of getting accustomed and used and acclimated to, uh, you know, this new coaching staff. So, Thought all of those are big, and I still think that um, there's a chance Noah Carter could make a decision very, very quickly. He's got signed with Washington. He's a outside linebacker slash athlete, wide receiver. He's a really, really talented guy out of Peoria, Arizona. It's about 6'3", 215, 220. Incredible athlete, Gary. Just fantastic. Uh, he got out of his letter of intent to Washington that he had signed in December. And then also a lot of people are asking about Jabbar uh-huh. Muhammad the cornerback who is uh, really highly regarded. Certainly, I think when you look at Alabama's cornerback situation, he's a guy that you really want. He has to be a priority, and I think he really is. Uh, Texas is in there very hard. Texas is confident right now. He's supposed to visit Oregon next weekend. He was in Tuscaloosa this uh, past weekend. So, you know, we'll see what happens with him, but I would consider him a, a, a top priority. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's a nice rundown. So uh, in recapping, uh, just to make sure everybody gets it, uh, quarterback Austin Mack, center Parker Brailsford, and uh, wide receiver Jeremy Bernard, all at Alabama uh, coming in from Washington. And and you mentioned, of course, uh, Carter and Muhammad as well. And, of course, a lot of attention this past weekend on Ryan Williams, the outstanding five-star from uh, – Sarah Lynn High School, originally committed to Alabama, then decommitting, but he was here. Uh, do you have any intel on how that visit went? I think he's scheduled to go to Texas and then Auburn before he uh, signs in February. Yeah, well, I think pretty much from the moment he got here, the, the positive vibes were coming out, you know? I mean, I think that that was a good, strong feeling about the way things were going. He had an opportunity to meet with Austin Mack and you know, they could be a duo. You know, they could be a real passing duo at some point. <laughs> you just don't know. But um, so I think everything went extremely well. Uh, it, but again, we're talking about a very highly recruited player. There's a lot of things, a lot of stakes right now with him. And I think that obviously he's going to Texas. He's going to visit there, uh, expected to visit there. And his teammate, the quarterback, K.J. Lacey, who was in Tuscaloosa this weekend as well. Again, K.J.'s only a junior. He'll, he'll be a senior next year. But uh, I think they're going to they're gonna join each other there in Austin on that visit and then also probably together that last weekend at Auburn. I really don't rule out anything right now. I've uh, been through a lot of these recruiting processes with highly recruited players, you know, until uh, he makes that announcement on February the 9th. I don't think anyone should rest easy, but I do think that right now it sounds very positive. But again, you know, this, this time frame, these visits, and what happens on February the 9th is what's going to be really the deciding factors yeah no doubt about it uh all right ronnie we're trying to settle in a little bit we're not really but the coaching staff is and still no official announcements on the coaching staff but we all know who's here and and who's uh who's working of course alabama has taken some portal hits i mean you look at ohio state alone uh they've taken seth mclaughlin uh caleb downs and, and julian saying i want to ask you specifically about saying and um I know, obviously, you bring in Austin Mack, but um, were you surprised or caught off guard at all when Julian Sand uh, went into the portal? Well, I think when you brought in Austin Mack, there was indication that uh, there could be some turnover in the quarterback room. Uh, I mean, it's to me, if, I, if I'm Julian Sand and they bring in a young quarterback that they've had for a year that's only going to be a freshman this year because he actually was redshirted last year at Washington, and I say, hey, this is their guy. He's the one they recruited. He's the one that's gone through their system for a year. He's, obviously, they're extremely high on him. All you have to do is Google uh, uh, Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb's comments on him back in December, and you see there's some glowing comments. And, I mean, again, I, I'm not just talking about uh, just your typical talk. I'm talking about real glowing comments. And so if I'm, you know, Julian saying, and I see that, I mean, it's it's certainly not something that I would say, uh, you know, I would say, I would say that it's something that uh, would catch my attention. You know, now I don't know if it had anything to do with his decision. There's some people that tell me, you know, he was already having second thoughts, uh, that he was having second thoughts even before, you know, Saban officially stepped down. And I think what happens now where we are in this recruiting process and the way things are with the transfer portal is I'm sure that opposing coaches were putting him on alert saying, look, you know, Saban could step down at any time because behind the scenes, that was really the buzz. Don't be surprised if he, if he steps down at any point now. So I'm sure that he was being alerted, you know, by various coaches uh, around the country and those close to him were being uh, kind of kept abreast. And uh, when this happened, uh, it just kind of opened the door for him to, to go ahead and go. 
Rodney, when you look at um, the transition, and it, you know, it's been hectic. You know, Coach Saban announces at a uh, team meeting, staff meeting, and team meeting at four o'clock on a Wednesday. Uh, Caleb DeVore is flying in on a Friday night. There's a press conference on Saturday, and he hasn't stopped since then. Um, just, you know, covering it like you do and talking with people. Uh, how do you feel it's going? Do you feel, I mean, and we knew Alabama was going to take some hits in the portal, regardless of who they brought in. And you knew there was going to be a lot of piling on by, by some media members and rival fan bases. But overall, do you get a good vibe out of what's happening with Kalen DeBoer and this staff over at Alabama? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so far so good. Uh, I, I, I think anytime you have a transition, you, you mentioned uh, kind of attacks. Uh, it it, it kind of opens the door in, in a transition. You're vulnerable to a lot of those things, a lot of negativity, a lot of your – as, as DeBoer himself said, you know, we, we, we live in a competitive world and, you know, these things, when these opportunities arise, you know that, uh, you know, your competitors are going to use those as, as, as opportunities for themselves. And then I think even in the media, you've seen some of that, you know. Uh, so you have to really be careful what you listen to and kind of observe what's going on for yourself and make those judgments and based on what I see. And I've been through a lot of these transitions just like you have. We've seen them up close and personal. Uh, you know, I, I think it's how the how does the coach manage it? You know, how does uh, he respond to it? And does he respond to it in a positive way? And all of these things. And I don't. What I see is a guy that came in and immediately got a staff together. I mean, it takes time to do these things. I know what fans they want to see things instantaneously, but it, it takes time to do this. It takes time. Uh, I think the, the the way they've done it, the, the, the speed at which they've done it, has been pretty incredible, actually. Um, you know, so, so uh, right now, I mean, based on what I've seen, I, I think it's been a – given the fact that it was one of the greatest transitions and of all time I've seen in college football, uh, I, I think it's gone fairly smoothly. Ronnie, I know you've already kind of started looking ahead. Um, I have, too, a little bit and, and uh, you know, trying to project the roster. And it's still not – you can't do it 100%, but um, when you – when you do just kind of glance at it and kind of get a vibe for, um, you know, what this roster is going to look like in, in 2024, uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think that this roster is going to be strong enough to uh, compete for the SEC championship? Well, I, I think right now it's, it's you know, you just – it's too early to really project the roster. I mean, right now I am impressed with – where they are in terms of retention, uh, you're going to lose some guys. Caleb Downs, I mean, that, that was a big loss, uh, but, you know, there's only so much you can do. Uh, you know, other than that, you know, you've had a few other guys that you, you could go down the list that you say, hey, we'd have liked to have kept Isaiah Baum. We'd have liked to have kept Amari Nyblack. Um, you know, uh, is there anyone that's irreplaceable? I don't think so, but, you know, I, I think they've done a really good job so far. And, again, They've still got time where these kids can enter the portal. Uh, it, they, they've still got that window open. So we have to see what happens between now and when it closes. Uh, you know, they had a 30-day window from when Saban stepped down. So let's see what happens then. But I, I, I do. I think from what we see, if they can retain what they have and, you know, move forward into the spring. And I think when the spring portal opens up, they may have a few other defections. But they're going to have an opportunity then to bring some guys in. I think the real important thing is defensive backs. They've got to get some corners, maybe safety as well. Um, 
You know, maybe they want another offensive lineman. Uh, Again, there's things that they're going to look at that they're going to consider needs, and the needs may change after spring, depending on what happens with with their roster. So, um, you know, they'll get it all settled. Uh, He's got a great reputation in the portal in terms of knowing how to utilize it. So, um, you know, again, we'll we'll, we'll have this conversation, you know, after A-Day, probably in May sometime, start looking at the way the roster is really going to look and, you know, then we can make a better assessment. Ron, you are with us from TiterInsider.com, TiterInsider TV. What's your opinion on the staff that he's, that uh, Coach DeBoer is putting together? Well, uh, let's start on offense. I mean, I think uh, Nick Saban himself a year ago tried to hire Ryan Grubb as his offensive coordinator. So that tells me something right there. Uh, you know, he was really impressed with what Grubb did. And, you know, we can we can rattle off the numbers. I mean, the things that he did, He, you know, in one year, he took them from totaling 323 yards of offense the year before they got there to over 500, 515. Uh, you know, they went to the number one passing offense in the country with 369 yards. Uh, you know, this past year, they were number two in the country in pass offense. Uh, they run the ball well, too. Uh, but they are uh, a pass-first type offense. You know, it's a pass to set up the run. That's the way they've been. Doesn't mean that they can't adjust that. I think pass to run this past year, Gary, was 58% to 42. Uh, so that's kind of in favor of the pass, obviously. Uh, but again, they'll base it on what they have personnel-wise. But I really like the offense. Huff, um, Scott Huff, their offensive line coach, he developed the Joe Moore you know, award-winning offensive line. Uh, did a great job. Jamarcus Shepard is considered one of the best uh, wide receiver coaches in America. Uh, you, you look at Gillespie, he's the holdover. Robert Gillespie at running back, he's done a nice job. Uh, I know that Nick Sheridan is obviously going to be the tight ends coach. They got the, their tight ends involved quite a bit. You look on the defensive side, Freddie Roach is going to be a holdover. I assume he will stay on the defensive line. There's been nothing officially announced, but that's what we project. Uh, getting Kane Womack, I've heard a lot of positive things about the job he did at South Alabama. You know, the defense that he's going to bring in is going to be really aggressive. Um, Mo Lundquist, uh, Maurice Lundquist, Lundquist is really considered a another guy that's been around, experienced, a really good recruiter. Uh, so I see that as a positive. I know the the guy they just hired from uh, Wisconsin, uh, Hitchler. Uh, I don't know if that's the exact way he pronounces yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I look at the Wisconsin boards and I look at their fans. What do they say about him? And, and they were distraught that he's coming to Alabama. Said he's the best recruiter they had, and he coached for Luke Fickle. And I'm really high on Luke Fickle. Uh, that tells me a little bit of something. And remember this too, Gary. He was coaching that secondary for Cincinnati when when Alabama played them in the playoffs a couple of years ago. That was one of the best secondaries I think Alabama saw all year. So I, I think, you know, overall the staff, you look at that, and I think off the field, you know, Courtney Morgan has a great reputation. He's going to be the general manager. Uh, and, again, I don't know what all that's going to entail for him, but uh, they say that he had a major influence on Michigan's uh, personnel. He had a major influence on Washington's personnel. Both those teams played for the national championship. So, with all that said, I mean, I think he's doing a fantastic job assembling a really high quality staff. Ronnie Orr, com, Tider Insider TV, with a nice breakdown on on football um, this morning. And uh, we've covered recruiting, we've covered the staff, we've covered. Uh, uh, most angles of this. My one final question, though, in regards to football, Nick Saban and Miss Terrier down in Jupiter, Florida, right now. Uh, but he's going to be back. 
He's going to have an office in, in the stadium. So I do want to ask you in regards to uh, Nick Saban's role. I mean, I don't think he's going to be interfering. I don't think that's who he is. But I think he'll be there, as he said. And, and Coach DeVore's already said he'll lean on him. He'll be there if needed. Uh, how do you envision Nick Saban's role going forward? Yeah, I, I mean, I really don't know 100%. I'm sure he'll do things that will, uh, you know, he'll certainly have some observations in terms of the program overall. I don't think it's like personnel or what they should be running or anything like that. I don't think he has any uh, desire to do that. I, I, I'm talking about, you know, is there some observations or or, or uh, suggestions uh, that he has with NIL and how you might be able to, you know, uh, better that you know there's been a lot of discussion about Alabama's NIL maybe he you know has some suggestions and can be helpful in that way maybe he can uh now again I, I have no idea if he would like to fundraise for NIL or not but you know certainly if he makes a phone call and asks people to donate I think that would be very influential so uh, I want to be clear I have no idea what he's going to do I'm just kind of throwing out something ideas that to your question. So, uh, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. You know, there's some people that say, uh, with the direction of college football right now, the portal, the NIL, and the way maybe it's going to be restructured. I'm talking about college football overall, that Nick Saban could have a huge influence on college football, not just Alabama, but, you know, the way college football kind of evolves, uh, uh, over the next several years. He's always talked about being a commissioner or not him being a commissioner, but college football needing a commissioner. Maybe he's that guy. I mean, I, again, I'm just throwing that out there. I couldn't imagine anyone that would be uh, more equipped and, and better for the job. And finally, Rod, um, Bama basketball's got Auburn coming here Wednesday night in a huge game. Auburn's unbeaten in the SEC. The Tide, though, on Saturday afternoon, this doesn't happen very often to Alabama and Nate Oates. Didn't just lose. They got, they got run out of the gym pretty good in Knoxville, 91-71. What was the reaction on the board to that Saturday afternoon? Well, not not really. You know, some people obviously were upset about that, but you know, on the road, uh, they've started out probably as well as people had projected, uh, maybe even a little better. So I, I think it's just you know they understand that uh, Tennessee's going to what come here later, and you know we'll see then. But you've got Auburn coming in. That's our. Or you got this game coming up. What when is it? Wednesday, Gary. Wednesday night. When it mm-hmm. is? Yeah. So I mean, that's going to be obviously a, a really big game, but. I mean, I think the expectations of this team are uh, maybe not quite what they were this year, but I think people have been pretty understanding that they're still a, a developing team. All right, Rod, awesome. And uh, the board, of course, uh, the forum is cranked up. The uh, news updates are all still going at TiderInsider.com. Yep, uh, it's only $48 a year. You can get instant access with your credit card if you prefer. There is an address there to send a check. and gives you all our premium stuff, but also our all-sports forum. That's our community of Alabama fans there. Like I said, there's been a ton of discussion, whether it's been Nick Dunlap or the, the coaching staff, recruiting, whatever. A lot of information that appears instantly right there on TiderInsider.com. And tomorrow night, Tider Insider TV at 630 on WVUA 23. Thanks, Rod. $400 at DismeCoins.com. That's D-I-S-M-E Coins.com. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The warming trend continues today, partly to mostly sunny, the high 52. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 42. Tomorrow, cloudy, some light rain at times, the high 62. Wednesday, rain likely, maybe a thunderstorm, the high 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 39 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 956, and that's going to wrap up hour number one. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Remember, own a not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union, loans for life. Hour number two is coming up. More Den- Nick Dunlap discussion. Casey Smith on golf at 1030. We're going to hear a Nick uh, Dunlap post-round conversation interview with the Golf Channel from yesterday. Um, just an amazing story. Also, more Alabama football and basketball and more of your phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline in the second hour, 205-342-9904. So keep it dialed in right here to Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC. Don't forget about the app, Tide 109 app. And also you can hear us at Tide109.com. Another hour is on the way. Pearl River Resort Silver Star Convention Center. On sale now at PearlRiverResort.com. For mature audiences. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big-screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. 49ers receiver Debo Samuel is the biggest injury question mark heading into the NFC Championship game. Samuel injured his shoulder in the win over the Packers on Saturday. And ESPN reports today that the team considers him 50-50 to play against the Lions. Detroit pulled away from the Buccaneers on Sunday 31-23 to reach the NFC title game for the first time since 91. And just the second time in franchise history, quarterback Jared Goff on the team's confidence. want to say like this arrogantly but we expected to win the first game we expected to win this game and, and now we get to go to a game we expected to be in against a really good team at their place and um, we're going to come into it expecting to win it'll be a tough game but um, it'll be fun Sunday night, the Chiefs knocked off the Bills 27-24 in a game that featured seven lead changes. Patrick Mahomes won his first road playoff game. Chiefs at Ravens starts championship Sunday next weekend, 3 Eastern. Now, this hour's West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. 
Two separate shootings in Tuscaloosa County over the weekend have left two people dead. One fatality resulted from a gunfight in the Buell community. Saturday morning, three men have been arrested, and the bouncer at CRU Lounge has been charged with murder after an incident at the South Tuscaloosa Hookah Lounge. 35-year-old Jeffrey Chase Jones of McCullough is in jail without bond this morning for making alleged terrorist threats against DCH Regional Medical Center over the weekend. He allegedly threatened violence against DCH staff and sent pictures of weapons to DCH online accounts. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tide or Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Second hour of the Gary Harris Show for this Monday, January 22nd, 2024. I'm your host, Gary Harris, producing the program this morning, Justin Jones, and we're ready to go for another hour right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. This hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you, as always, by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. Integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff, and I can vouch for these gentlemen not only as lawyers, but as High character individuals. That's who you want with you if you're in a legal situation involving a personal injury. Feet on the ground in West Alabama. Paul Patterson's in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike Comer's in Northport at 205-759-3939. And remember, our business is to take care of your needs. The commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And I can uh, go ahead and let you in on the fact that we're going to keep it going with the football discussion and basketball discussion in this second hour, but we can't get away from the Nick Dunlap story. And um, as I said, you know, this is such a rare occurrence uh, in professional golf to have a amateur win a PGA Tour event. And with it being an Alabama guy and him having just turned 20 years old, uh, it makes it even that much more exciting. And he did it um, really with the odds against him. And I know he had a three-shot lead, as I said at the top of the first hour. But he lost that three-shot lead, and he trailed uh, Sam Burns by a shot. And to come back and win that tournament when you're an amateur against a high-caliber pro like Sam Burns, who's a five-time tour winner, you've also got 15-time tour winner, two-time major champion, players champion, um, and former Alabama golfer Justin Thomas in your threesome, and you uh, overcome the nerves and you win that event, it's just uh, it's unbelievable. So we can't get away from that story. But I do want to get back on the Alabama football discussion, and then we'll talk some men's basketball too. And if you want to join in on the conversation, 205-342-9904 on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904. I can't talk this morning. 205-342-9904. And I thought the the conversation with Rodney Orr was awesome. I thought Rodney gave us some great insight into Alabama football. That'll be available soon at our podcast center at Tide109.com. Also, Google Podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. But as far as Alabama is concerned right now, the transition is going to continue. It is uh, the reality of it. There have been a lot of players that have gone into the portal. There have been other signees that have asked out of their 
National Letter of Intent. They're NLI, so you got NIL and NLI. And that is just um, the way it is. There's going to be quite a bit of players that have left this roster, but there are going to be more additions too. As Roddy talked about already, three players from the University of Washington uh, have announced transfers to the Crimson Tide, quarterback Austin Mack, center Parker Brailsford, and wide receiver Jeremy Bernard. Those three players are really good players. They'll need to be because you don't come to Alabama and expect to get playing time if you're not a good player. You, you need to be a good player if you're going to play for the Crimson Tide, regardless of whether Nick Saban's the coach, Caleb DeBoer's the coach, or I'm the coach. you got to have some talent if you're going to play here. Uh, but I think at the same time, when you've had quite a bit of roster defections the way Alabama has, um, you're looking for top-tier players, but you're also looking for some good players. You're looking to sure up some depth, too, because of the fact that you know, you're losing enough guys that even some of the guys that you're losing – while they aren't great players or weren't expected to be top-line players for Alabama, they're still good players. And you need that roster filled with guys who are not only top of the line but also just good players, and I think that's what Alabama is going to be looking for in addition to highly touted five-star type talents, just good, solid football players to plug this roster. I asked Rodney the question, does he think Alabama is going to challenge or be able to challenge for an SEC championship? You know, only time will answer, but I think there'll be enough players on the roster certainly to do that. But recapping uh, over the weekend, the first group of visitors for the new staff, headlined by Ryan Williams of Saraland, also Noah Carter of the Phoenix area, Peoria, Centennial, Arizona, the outside linebacker, Edge Rusher, and uh, there were others on campus as well. But those are the, the two guys to, to really watch. And those are two guys that Alabama hopes that it signs. Ryan Williams and Noah Carter. Those are two of those top-tier, five-star talent-type players. Ryan Williams is what they call five-star plus. I think Noah Carter is a four-star recruit but has five-star talent. So you get, uh, you get those two guys signed up here. And that'll be a, a big step in the right direction, too. But in the meantime, Alabama's taking care of its business. I do think that we'll have a email go out once this staff is completely in place. And it may not even be until February. It may not even be until after the February signing date. But we will get an email from UA at some point laying out exactly what this staff is and their responsibilities and then we'll get some dates on, on spring football. Because, Justin, you have to remember, since 2007 now, Nick Saban's been in charge of everything. And now he's not. And I I wonder if that, you know, you have to believe that the spring dates could move. Um, I know that the spring dates were already set based on the previous staff and the A-Day. And, and they may keep them in that window because, you know, the A-Day's already been uh, announced and all of that. <clears throat> but with a new staff, they may want to move that around. So there could be more changes coming other than just in terms of personnel. And I know Alabama fans are eagerly waiting to see when that A-Day game day is going to be announced in times because I'm I'm betting there's going to be a packed Bryant-Denny for it. It'll be a good crowd, yeah. I don't know that we'll ever see <clears throat> what we saw in 2007 
when they were uh, having to turn people away. But you're right, there will be a good crowd. And there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not they should charge for this game, try to generate money either for NIL <clears throat> or maybe for charity. And they've never charged for an 8 game. Uh, you know, I had, uh, I think it was Pat that had called in saying they should charge 25000 or $25 a ticket and try to get 100,000 people in <laughs> to raise, uh, you know, money for for NIL, but that's too steep. But, you know, if they wanted to charge $5 and um, maybe find a good way to use that money, I don't think people would be opposed to it. But my expectation is that it will still be free because you don't get to, fans don't get to see these players much anymore. You know, you have an 8 day game. I guess some of the Red Elephant Club members get to see a practice or two, a scrimmage or two. And then the fall, same type thing. They'll have the fan day practice. And outside of that, fans don't get to see the team too much other than in the game. So I think it's a good idea for them to keep the 8A free. And as, as Justin said, it's going to be a lot of excitement, a lot of expectation, and a big crowd for it. All right, it's 11 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, and we're off and running here on the second hour of the Gary Harris Show, the Krispy Kreme Donuts Hotline, 205-342-9904. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we're going to talk men's basketball on the other side. Alabama has to put that loss behind, behind them quickly to Tennessee and get ready for a huge game on Wednesday night at home. Remember, you still have to go to Neville Arena, so it makes it – not only is it important for the standings, but it's important for, you know, this series against Auburn this year. Alabama, I think, now has won three or four in a row against Auburn. I'll check it. I know they swept them last year. And um, maybe just be two wins in a row. But anyway, Alabama swept Auburn last year. Uh, you can't sweep them this year if you don't win the first one. And if you lose the one at home, then certainly you're not liking your prospects of uh, getting a win on the road. It's hard. Discover better living at First in Maine. Visit firstinmaincondos.com or call 205-657-7465. Mention you heard about us on the radio and receive one month free rent. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The warming trend continues today, partly to mostly sunny, the high 52. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with the low at 42. Tomorrow, cloudy, some light rain at times, the high 62. Wednesday, rain likely, maybe a thunderstorm, the high 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 39 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. All right, 1014, welcome back to the Gary Harris Show. The YMCA of Tuscaloosa is ready for you all month long, right through January 31st. No signing fee at the Y. It's a great time to join because all you have to do is go down there Get, uh, get signed up and get your membership rolling and get right in there. No signing fee during the month of July at the YMCA of Tuscaloosa, 2313th Street, <clears throat> downtown Tuscaloosa. All right, uh, Bama basketball, 91-71 on Saturday in Knoxville, and the score is representative of the game. It was a beatdown. Uh, Tennessee dominated Alabama. Alabama, 13 first-half turnovers. I think, what, 22 for the game. And... Um, you know, got outplayed, got outphysicaled, <clears throat> got outworked. I thought got out hustled. Just got, just got it laid to them. And they know the way around it. And uh, Nate Oates acknowledged that after the game. And uh, you know, it doesn't happen very often to Alabama. Very, very rare. But he also acknowledged something that is a fact. It's one game. 
And whether you lose it by 20 or lose it by two, it counts as loss. And Alabama lost up there last year and went on to win the SEC championship. And I'm not saying this team's going to win the SEC championship. <clears throat> I don't think they are. But they're still 4-1 and one in the league. And I had said, man, if you could get off to a 4-1 and start with these first five games, it'd be awesome. Well, they did. They went 4-0 and and then lost to uh, Tennessee on Saturday. The key now is I think there were three teams in this conference that are above the other 11 teams. Tennessee, Kentucky, and Auburn. And Alabama's good. But I don't put Alabama in that tier. That's my opinion. You know, they beat Auburn on Wednesday night and beat Tennessee the next time they play them, beat Kentucky. Then, you know, they can earn their way into that tier. But I said this, Justin, and you'll remember this, and the listeners will remember it too. I said back after that non-conference schedule, which was brutally tough, but Alabama lost five games against Ohio State, against Clemson, against uh, Purdue, against Creighton, against Arizona. What did I say? I said the same issues that Alabama had in December, they're going to have in January, February, March, because you're not going to rework the roster. The roster's the roster. Alabama's good. Alabama's going to win a lot of games. Uh, they're going to beat a lot of people in this league. And, of course, that's the case for anybody. When you play the really good teams, obviously, <clears throat> you get exposed. They're harder to beat than the teams that aren't really good. But for Alabama, we saw it again Saturday, man. I don't know that they just have the physicality and the muscle to play the type of teams like Tennessee, like the teams that they lost to in the non-conference, like they're going to see Wednesday night with Broom and Cardwell and those guys. You can want to play hard. You can want to play tough. You can want to play physical. But you can't change who you are. And I don't know that Alabama has the size. And I'm not talking about height. They've got good height. Wagee, Nelson, Pringle, all, you know, 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", type guys. I don't know that they have the, just the good old muscle the size to, to, to hold the, you know, hold the spot down on the block. And I think they get pushed around a little bit. I think they get out physical. And that's something now in the next couple of days, they're going to have to try to figure out a good plan for Auburn or it'll happen again. I think a perfect example of that in the Tennessee game was, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the Tennessee center, I believe, but the hook shot that just killed us throughout the entire game. It was seemingly unstoppable. And it makes you miss Betty Aka that much more. Oh, yeah. Well, the Betty Yako departure changed this team. You add you add Charles Betty Yako to this roster with these inside, you know, with these perimeter players and, and, and this type of talent and shooting, you suddenly add Charles Betty Yako to the mix, and you are one in that top tier. That's how big his loss is. And uh, let's be honest, too. Uh, <clears throat> there was no thought process when they signed Noah Clowney that he was going to be a one-and-done. None at all. Now, you knew with Brandon Miller what you were getting. You knew he was going to come in and play one year and be gone. But Clowney and Betty Ako, Clowney living after one, Betty Ako after two, particularly Betty Ako, <clears throat> I think they thought all the way through that Betty Ako would be back. But he's not. So this is a good team can be a really fun team to watch. But we saw again Saturday, we saw them get bullied. I don't know any other way to put it. 
they got bullied. They got pushed around. They got um, handled. And after all the talk about what happened in the pre-conference, and, you, hey, listen, 4 and is 4 and They got off to a 4 and start. But the first really good team that they played, and Tennessee's as physical as anybody in the country, they couldn't hold up. All right, let's jump right back out on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. Is uh, Tom back with us? Good morning, Tom. Gary, uh, is it okay you to call to, twice? Yeah, you had, to come, you had to come back for seconds. I got you. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, uh, I, I had found out last week some real hot gossip, and uh, and I wanted to bring it up to your attention to see what you thought about it. Okay. Do you know a guy named uh, Brent Ward, uh, Northworthy from uh, Memphis? Yeah, he's uh, he's a good guy. He does some Ole Miss radio, based out of Memphis. Yeah, I know him. I know Brett. He's a sideline reporter, and he's got an afternoon radio show that I tune in every now and then. If uh, something's going on around Memphis, I want to find out about. And uh, and he was talking last week. Uh, I, I called. I, I didn't call in. I was listening to him. Uh, and getting their take on uh, Coach Saban's retirement, and all you know, kind of somebody else see mm-hmm. what their take was. Anyway, he started talking about uh, uh, the lawsuit that Florida State has against the ACC. You're familiar with it, I know. Uh, yeah, say that again, yeah, Tom. Uh, you, the, he started talking about the lawsuit. That Florida State oh, yeah, has, yeah, absolutely, yeah, State. yeah, and, you, and you're, you're familiar with some of that. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, he went on to say that uh, <clears throat> that Florida State was kind of the group that that fired the first shot at the ACC about getting out of there because none of the members of the ACC are satisfied with the uh, the, the revenue contract or TV contract, and you're familiar with that too. Yeah. And so he went on to say that uh, that there were like three three programs that were watching that, and they were kind of like not saying anything, but they were going to let Florida State go ahead and take the hit for being the first one to bring that lawsuit. But they are sitting there waiting and ready to go. And supposedly now, here he goes. He's saying expansion is coming to uh, the the leagues again, and the SEC is going to expand to two more teams. And guess what team they are? Uh, would it be Florida State and Clemson, maybe? No. Nobody wants them. Oh, who is it? North Carolina and Virginia. And they, he said, uh, Brent said that, uh, uh, Brent, he said that they will end the SEC in the worst kind of way. Well, I, I think they would add a lot, certainly academically. They're, they're great institutions, but good sports institutions too. Yeah, the ACC's grant of rights, uh, none of the, the conference members are happy with it, even though they signed off on it. Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't argue with that, that the ACC could be um, – collapsing here soon and all those schools could be heading out much like the Pac-12 so we'll keep an eye on it and that's 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 for sure because uh yeah and I think you're also telling that that Brett's right too about Florida State you know they, they're going to sit back and let Florida State do all the dirty work but all of them uh, all of them want out and I you know listen I would like North Carolina and Virginia um 
you know, and then again, too, basketball wise, it would be great, you know, <laughs> and uh, but they're good football programs, too. And they'd even be in better programs when they got in the uh, SEC and they'd open up that Atlantic uh, mid-Atlantic seaboard area for you, too. I think North Carolina with that big, huge brand coming in at, at basketball would be outstanding for the SEC. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, yeah, I do too, Tom. I guess my only hesitation is, I, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a super mega conference fan. You know how I feel about it, but you can't undo what's been done. I mean, I don't, I'd like to go back, you know, 50 years ago to when the conferences were still regional. You know, I, I liked it. You know, 10, 12 teams max, and you, you know, we'd have all our regional conferences. But those days are gone. They're over. And so you've got to continue to evolve, and we are headed toward the super conferences. So, no, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if, you know, what Brett told you is correct and that, you know, eventually North Carolina and Virginia wind up in the SEC. Yeah, well, he wasn't talking to me. Well, but you were listening to him. That's what he was saying. I got you. But, But he said now, he did say this. He said he was told that. And, you know, Brett, I, I didn't know this, but he's on the uh, he's in the uh, board of directors on the Bryant Museum. Didn't know that either. I know he likes Alabama a lot. So, hey, know. I brought it today, didn't you? You got to admit it. Yeah, you got some, some good info. But uh, you're always bringing it, Tom. That's why you're one of our best Bye, callers, man. See you. Thanks. All right, let's get to Mike uh, in Opelika here on the Krispy Kreme Donuts Hotline. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Gary. Hey, a, a quick question. Did Dunlap change caddies? I know the guy that had been with him, that was with him in the U.S. Amateur, uh, have they had a falling out? No, not at all. Not Hunter? at all. Not at okay. all. Uh, that, I'll tell you that story real quick. Help me remember the, the, the guy that was caddying for him in the U.S. Amateur, who's one of his closest advisors. Yeah, I... I can't think of his name. I'll, I'll figure it out because his dad played on the pro as well. Curl, it's Curl, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, his dad was Rod Curl. Uh, hang on, I'll look up the kids, the guy's name. Uh, Jeff Curl. Yeah, Jeff Curl played on the Nationwide Tour. Rod played on the PGA Tour, and Jeff Curl, who is one of uh, Nick Dunlap's closest advisors and confidants. No, nothing has happened there. Uh, I don't know. You know, Rod Curl's son Jeff. Uh, caddied for Nick in the USAM and Hunter Hamrick, former Alabama assistant coach and golfer, caddied for him in the uh, American Express. And he said afterwards, you know, if he turns pro, he'll have to look at, you know, all that goes with getting a caddy. But no, Curl, Rod Curl's son, Jeff, I, well, I can't want to say, say Rod because Rod was a player on the PGA Tour and won a couple times. His son, Jeff, right. is still in that inner circle. They're still on Team Dunlap. There's no issues there. I don't know that, you know, Jeff wants to be a full-time caddy. I don't know that Hunter Hamrick wants to be a full-time caddy. So I don't know if he does turn pro, what he'll do caddy-wise. He may want to get a guy that's more experienced out there on the tour, although Hunter Hamrick certainly did a heck of a job. Job, uh, and I'll ask Casey Smith about that. Not oh, only did you have an amateur, but you had basically a, a guy who, you know, uh, was caddying yeah. in an event for the first time and how well they worked together. But no, there's no issues there at all. Uh, Jeff Curl yeah. is still in that inner circle. He was with actually, Team Dunlap. Um, actually greenside there to celebrate with the family and stuff as well yesterday. Okay, he was there yesterday oh. too, Justin said. Oh, wow. Well, Hunter did do a great job, I thought, uh, during that. Um, one last thing, and I know you got to go. Um, I don't think universities can put money toward NIL. So I think if they charged 
admission for the uh, A-Day, I don't think they could just turn around and give that 10 IL. I may be wrong about that. No, you're probably right. uh, As I said, I don't think they're going to do that. It's just something that some callers have mentioned. Uh, But they could do it if they wanted to do it for some charitable contribution or – or, or, or something like that, you know, if they wanted to charge $5 a ticket. But I think it'll be free, particularly with it being Coach DeBoer's first A-Day. I don't see Alabama charging for, for the A-Day game. I really don't. No. And going back to the basketball game, you're right. We got completely manhandled. But, you know, that's why Tennessee doesn't usually advance very far in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they get these refs that are going to call that hand-checking and that pushing off and stuff. And same thing with Purdue. You know, they got by with it when they played us. But if, when you get in that tournament and you get officials that's going to call that, um, you know, neither one of those usually advance very far. But enjoy the show and uh, talk to you later. Thank you, Mike. Mike makes great points on the officiating. Of course, I think that to me, that's that 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 speaks again uh, uh, why we're doing. Why do you, if if that is true, and a lot of people say that, if you call games one way the entire year, and then just with the idea, well, we're going to call them differently when we get in the tournament. What's that all about? You know, all right. Uh, coming up next, Casey. Shots have been updated. They're designed to help protect against recent variants. Learn more about a COVID nineteen vaccine option at schedulecovidvax.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Since two thousand and eleven, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen high-definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten thirty-three. Nick Dunlap was already in the Masters field as the U.S. Open champion. Now the question is, will he play it as an amateur or will he play it as a professional? Always look forward to Casey Smith on golf, but uh, this is a morning when I've been excited about this interview since uh, yesterday afternoon, really since Saturday even. Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whether he won yeah. or not, we were going to be looking I forward knew to we were. Yeah, I knew we had a lot to talk about. I was excited as this went on. We've obviously talked a lot about him, uh, and both have had high remarks and said, everyone get out to watch him, and look what he's done. I mean, I, I'm astonished, and we, we were telling, both of us have told people for multiple years, go watch him. Uh, and this still, you know, the bar goes up, oh, yeah. uh, even higher. And, and, and sort of what I told some guys yesterday was actually Larry Nelson's son was these are the standards he set for himself. You can't really take them away from, from him until, because he was like, I wonder how, you know, look at all these pros that have done well. Um, you know, former three time major winner, Larry Nelson, you know what I'm talking about. And, and then he said, you're right. I was like, these are the comps of the comps. The comps are. Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. I mean, that's rare, rare, rare air that he is in. And, you know, 
Look, uh, we've talked about everything he's won, but only two golfers in history to have held the U.S. Junior U.S. Amateur. Tiger Woods, Nick Dunlap, first amateur to win a PGA Tour event in 33 years and the youngest since 1910. Um, it's rare air. Uh, and look, he beat Justin Thomas and Sammy versus Gordon Sargent, best amateur in the world, the U.S. Amateur. Now it's Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Xander Schauffelet, I mean, you can name it. I mean, the guys that are at the top of the, the game of professional golf, and he beat them. And, you know, I heard, like, Justin Thomas say that he thought to start the week, if he shot 30 under, he would win by a couple. And he obviously knew the number to get to. And uh, Dunlap won, shot 29 and won by one. Uh, 29 under is astonishing as it is. And um, I'm just blown away at how, at how really good he is. And now he's really got a real decision to make, a tough decision to make probably because – and maybe maybe it works out for both. But it's rare that you get to play now to have your choice to play in the Masters as a professional when you are an amateur. Uh, never – you know, I don't even know if Phil had that choice then if the rules were what they were. Um, so this is rare air for him, and I'm sure he's going to lean on the people around him. He's already in the PGA Tour event this week. And, you know, it would lead me to think that he's probably not going to make a fast decision on anything. But I could also see where by Wednesday or Thursday, he could play in this event as a pro. And, um, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's, I've thought about it a hundred ways on Sunday since he won. Is how do you do it? Because he's in the signature events, too, if he decides to play in them as a pro. Uh, it's massive life-changing money, and, and it's going to be there for him. He's in a different league. I know he really wants to come back and win a national title with his teammates. Um, and he could play a modified college golf schedule this spring and still get Alabama in the regionals, and he could play a couple of events probably, regular events, and then he would have to play in the NCAAs and beyond. Uh, and help his teammates. He wouldn't be there for all events, and who could blame him? But, um, you know, really good problems to have. And, you know, the Alabama staff and everyone around is going to be supporting him, whatever decision he makes. Yeah, at this point, it's a win-win for him, and it's a win-win for Alabama golf. And I, I'm i with you on everything you said. I think that he, and he pointed that out, you know, post-round yesterday. You know, it's not just about me. You know, it's about a lot of different people and, you know, my family, his team, and obviously J.C. Will and his Alabama teammates who he loves dearly. And as you said, had a plan in place to come back and play this year at Alabama and try to lead them to, you know, another national championship. Having said that. Well, you know, and that, yeah, yeah, you know, the one thing that he had, what he was thinking is, I think, too, was when you win the U.S. Amateur, you're in those events as the U.S. Amateur champion. Mm-hmm. And so you were in the you're in the Masters of the U.S. Amateur. You're going to get probably seven tour events, or not probably. You're going to get seven tour events uh, if you wanted them as an amateur. And you're going to get and and the cool part about it is now to help you know create a flow up to the tour. It does get to count for him in all of the status and standings and all that. So he 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 has options to enter at the right time. But you're in the Masters as an amateur. Now you're in the Masters as a pro which is obviously a very life-changing opportunity. And the one field in golf where the field is shortened, right, and you can actually, if you have a good week, instead of it being 
that's the one field in golf where they always say there's 30 to 40 people probably that have a chance to win this week. Well, he would be one of those 30 to 40 people where yesterday it's 150 something people, right? And cause they played more courses. They even had more people in the field. Um, so anyway, sorry to interrupt. I just, I, it is just a rare place to be. It is. And that's why it's, it's, it's so unique because he does have options, but I want to get to this and, you know, I know Wimpenberry had a discussion about it, and other people are having a discussion about it. Um, you know, the money that he lost out on yesterday as an amateur, $1.5 million. Now, let's be honest. Adidas looks – they like geniuses now for signing him up when they did. Uh, American Express looks like genius for giving him a sponsor's exemption. I mean, he wasn't even going to be in the field without a sponsor's exemption, and he was the only one amateur in the field. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm American Express, I'm signing him right now in an endorsement deal. So he can come back and play at Alabama – and, and have plenty of NIL money, plenty of endorsement money, be making already a lot of money. But, um, you know, if he wins another tournament as an amateur, you know, you can't get you – know, that's $1.5 million yesterday. Now, I don't, I don't understand this, well, he should get the money and they should let him turn pro. No, there's got to be rules for something. And, and professional right. golf has rules. As, as Justin said earlier, the game of golf has, has probably the best – rules out there for amateur versus professionals and he never even mentioned the money because he knew and it's got nothing to do with what he can get in college it's a totally separate deal but if you win again as an amateur Casey, (laughs) which he could then i do think you start talking about the money that you're leaving on the table i think he's going to turn pro i think he'll probably announce it this week that's just my opinion because i I, I agree with you i talked to a couple people i know that that did did not come from him some people that had talked to Prior to there, one thing, your point, you're exactly right. There is, and there's also something then teeing it up as a pro and you're teeing it up as an amateur. You're in an amateur seat on the tour out there. You're on house money, right? Now, you know, you you're still have all the things you have as your support system at home. You tee it up as a pro, you're your own boss. You're supporting other people. So uh, got a little different feel on that i think he'll get enough money out of the gates and endorsement deals that it it, it he'll have a the minute that he turns pro i mean now the weird thing in nil they can really pay him something he's not going to get everything that he would get as a pro um he'll have he'll have six or eight endorsement deals just that win yesterday is worth a ton of money so i think he knows that it's could he really make it to the end i just don't see how you i i I think I talked to an agent this morning. I think you have to turn pro now, unfortunately, for Alabama golf, um, because you, you, the Masters thing, and then these signature events. I mean, who knows what golf looks like next year with this merger? But right now, this year, he's in the signature events. They're worth so much money, and he would have to forego them before John Rahm's and people like that come back. Right. He has a chance to go out there realizing, well, I'm one of the best players out here anyway right now. And I I mean, mentally, he's got to be thinking I can go win the next event. Right. And I don't think any of those people scare him based on everything I've read. He loves the competition. He's been beating tour guys. since he was 15 and 16, he won this event at his club. There's 30 tour guys out there. And he was, you know, 15 and 16 year old amateur two years in a row. Um so I, I, I don't know. I just I do think you're right, Gary. I wouldn't be sh- surprised if he didn't turn pro by Wednesday of this week. He's already in this this event. And maybe he doesn't this week because a little bit of pressure to come back and win. First win as a, a pro. Uh, you know, I think they 
he might turn pro where he's very, if he's got anything where he's been very familiar or he's played there before. Uh, and I don't know if he has it, Tory or not. Tory's a beast. It's a big golf course. But, you know, what I did a little dive into his game, and he hits it, you know, further than tour average. He hits it straighter than tour average. He's got a really good approach game. He's got a really elite wedge game. And if you look at his putting stats, they are just out of control. Like, it's it's Jordan Spieth in 2015-type putter. And he's really good in, on short putts. So you're talking a top, a top five putter on the PGA Tour when he decides to turn pro, which bodes great. If you drive it that straight and long and you got all the other stuff around you, plus they say just all-time competitive junkie, you know, nicest guy that wants to just beat your brains in. And it's sort of very Tiger Woods-esque. Yeah, uh, and, and Casey Smith on golf is with us. It's still, I just, uh, for golf Fans out there, they get it. For if you're a casual golf observer, you might not. What what makes this even more remarkable is he's the only amateur in the field. Uh, he's you know got a three shot lead after shooting a sixty on Saturday. He's with uh, five time tour winner Sam Burns, fifteen time tour winner, two time major champion Justin Thomas, and in the seventh on the seventh he hits probably as bad a shot he's ever hit in his life. I don't know what that was. If it was shank. If it was a double cross or whatever. But he hits it into the water, and he immediately makes double bogey. And then on the back nine, he doesn't have the lead. He's behind. And he rallies, birdieing two of his last five holes. Uh, Burns hits it in the water on 17. And not only that, but he's Hunter Hamrick, former Alabama golfer, former Alabama assistant coach. You know, he and the caddy both, the first time ever seeing these courses. You know, they're out there. Yeah, it's a nice story, but you're an amateur. Uh, you know, enjoy the, enjoy the week. And they win the thing, and they overcome the most incredible pressure, even on 18. I want to speak to that 18th hole, because after Burn hit it on the water, Burns hit in the water on 16, um, or on 17, I'm sorry. You know, you're thinking, well, he's going to have a two-shot lead, but Basinhout, playing ahead of him, has an unbelievable birdie on 18, so that two-shot lead is a one-shot lead, and then he's playing safe. He hits it in the mounds. He misses the green right. And everybody just takes it for granted. He's going to get that up and down. That was not an easy up and down or that kind of pressure. To make a oh six footer, uh, yeah. Speak to Ooh. that. I mean, give give uh, Look, give. I, I, I'm going to tell you, wild. You know the the thing that I thought. Wow, this guy is different. He makes the double. I thought, shoot, the wheels are coming off a little bit. I could sense a little bit of that coming. He birdies eight. I was like, bang, he's back. He didn't let that double bother him. Right. That was to me. That was a little bit of a. Uh, I thought in group sign to those guys. Mm -hmm. They those two sharks in that group. They they could feel a little blood in the water. And when he made that birdie back, it was like, wow, okay, this kid's really unflappable. But but I have to give JT some credit too, and I, I res really respect what he did on eighteen when they were walking up. I think he probably. I don't think he probably. I think he, he knew. Yeah. Yeah. By, by making that comment was all world. Right there, that's a that's he, he owes him a big bottle of wine on that one because he he really did you know got him to to relax a little bit and and laugh a little bit and go you know I made him think back to something funny of you know I hit some people at the U.S. Open when he talked about that the first time you smoked a competitor meaning you hit a competitor and I think that was really cool that he did that because hey he knows twenty year old I want him to win if I'm not going to win and. I just need to, you know, just say it. It's almost like when the caddy's got to say something at the right time. And he said his caddy said something about, you know, your mom can make this putt on 18. 
it's just timing of words, especially when you're 20. Um, it's routine for him. That's what I, I told some friends when he shot 60. I'm like, when he gets rolling, if you watch his golf, it is routine golf. It looks like it's just just straight down the middle. Target goes there. He makes the putt. And it, it, it looks like it's just one hole after the next. And, man, he, he's unflappable. And, that, and up and down 18, given he had a little slope, he hit a perfect pitch shot. And behind that, it's slick. There's water. There's hazard. And to finish below the hole to have an uphill putt, I mean, that is just all-world uh, type of talent. And I think everyone out there knows, woof, we got our hands full if he turns pro because he looks like he fits in and looks like he's a multi-year winner and looks like he's going to be a Ryder Cupper and looks like it's very Ludwig Oberg, Ober, however you want to say it, they, they went on tour last year. I mean, they just, it's a different world. He started working with Brett McCabe at 10 years old, right? The guy, the sports psychologist mm-hmm. out of Greystone who works with all the tour players. I've heard, been hearing him talk about him for, you know, months now. And then he did a bunch of interviews. He works with Mark Blackburn, who works with Xander and Morikawa and Max Homa. But more importantly, Max Homa, as he's really turned his game around. So, He's had great instruction around. He's got Coach Sewell and all all of their staff and their former players. You know, JT said he's been talking to him some. So, you know, he he's getting. Uh, he he was a homeschool as well. You know, he he he's he's been a golf prodigy, and uh, boy, it sure has paid off. Very happy for him and. And excited to see what, what, what decisions he makes. Yeah, we all will be. And he mentioned even in post-round, when you know, again, we was asked about the decision. He said it affects a lot of people. He said, you know, so many things. I'm still learning my way around here. I mean, again, this, this is a crash course, and you're not expected to do this. But he even mentioned, hey, you know, having to get a caddy. You know, he used Jeff Curl in the U.S. Amateur, and he used Henner Hamrick. And, <laughs> of course, that speaks to the talent of the player. But uh, that is a big decision uh, from when a guy turns pro. You know, I mean, it was cool. I thought that, you know, uh, JT had had Jimmy Johnson on his bag, and of course now he's got Bones. But uh, you know what all goes into that decision, and would you, would Hunter Hamrick apply for the job? Well, yeah, I think he'll, I don't think he'll have any shortage of suitors, and I, I would assume I have heard it will either be Jeff Curl or him. Uh, Hunter's not the coach; he's been the assistant at Alabama. Obviously, played at Alabama, and so I don't know if that was a a setup as well. But I would, I would, you would assume that one of those two guys are going to be the caddy for him. Both of those guys have, uh, you know, have been elite golfers themselves. There's something there for him with some comfort. Uh, I think they probably help him because he, he is, he, he is young. I would say the one thing you probably lose in that homeschooling nature is just being around as many people as you are, right? So when you're just sort of cultured to be playing shelter, to be playing golf all the time. So he's obviously incredibly comfort, comfortable on a golf course, but there is more to it. And there's not a lot of 20-year-olds out there, you know, so you're not going to have a ton of people that are your age to run around with and hang out. And um, So I, I think it's picking he, – he's obviously very – and there's a lot of parallels to how he came up through with golf and Tiger Woods. There really are. I mean, his wins, his competitiveness, they say he works out all the time, you know, his work ethic is insane. Every everyone that works around Nick Dunlap, they mention his work ethic. And I've been seeing scores from friends that you and I both share, mutual friends, where he's been shooting sixty and sixty one, sixty two in some of these cold days at North River and 
Indian Hills when they haven't played, when the team has played in Tuscaloosa. So, uh, you know, if you, if you shoot low scores at home, you can shoot low scores in tournaments. But if you're not shooting low scores in tournaments, you're never going to shoot, or at home, you're never going to shoot low scores in tournaments. It goes hand in hand. So, uh, I don't think, you know, it's funny how we're all surprised. We're also like the guy who really is the best is still yet to come. Yeah, it is. All right. Speaking of the, uh, still to come, he is in the field, Farmers Insurance Open at uh, Fame Tory Pines. And whether he's playing it as an amateur or as a professional, um, I mean, this is a lot to process for him, even though he is incredibly mature. And I, you know, everything that we're saying about him, he doesn't appear to be 20 years old. I mean, he just doesn't. Doesn't look it to me. He doesn't act it. But, you know, could there be a hangover? I mean, how do you think he'll play this week now as he goes in? As you said, um, he'll go in with the spotlight on him and people will be expecting him to compete. Um, do you think there'll be a little bit of a of just a, a natural, not slump, but just hard to re- replicate what he did this past weekend? Or do th- you think he'll be up to the challenge and play well? I mean, it, you know, it seems like his game is always played and most people in golf, you're peaking, you're playing well, you're, you're going to continue to play well. Two totally t- different golf courses, um, and that's a big difference in golf. You had at the Amex, all those courses in the desert are birdie fest. He is a birdie fest himself. So that sort of, I'll always say horses for courses. That is overseeded rye, uh, bent rye grass that's overseeded that, you know, it, it just set up for, uh, you can see where some of those shots all come back. Guy that hits it straight and long like that, that puts it really well, sucks to make a lot of birdies. Torrey Pines, one of the hardest courses on the PGA Tour, one of the longest, plays really long, plays really tough. Uh, you get the wind out there, some off the ocean. Just it's Poana, so different grass. I don't know how much he's played out there. Um, so I, I would say, you know, when, you, when he shot 29 under to win this week, to win Tory's probably more like the 10 to 12 under. So it's just a different type of golf. Um, so you never know how that, and then hearing how much, you know, he's doing media for the first time and no telling how much media he's doing. And uh, I read over a thousand text messages, but, you know, he wants to respond to all of them. I mean, there's stuff that he probably didn't have in his infrastructure about just having a real, like for these tour guys have a real team and a real manager around where he's probably getting to that point, right? Or he's at that point now when you win just to handle his media and his request. And so that's probably coming from, you know, a combination of himself, his caddy, his parents, Coach Sewell. I mean, he's still an amateur. So, um, you know, he's obviously had an agent to help get this Adidas deal done. And uh, But but it's not it's different than having a, a tour agent and a tour team. So there's a lot to go into him having to turn around and play in another good week. I would say my guess is he'll make the cut and he'll make the cut and, and have a good week. I don't really see him winning again, but uh, I could see him turning and getting into another event where it gets, you know, after this week takes a breather and wouldn't shock me if he wanted another event. I, I could see him winning again this year. Uh, he's definitely shown that to me. Great stuff. Really appreciate it, Casey. And uh, wow, what a, what a story. And uh <laughs> 
What a incredible. F- you know, yes. Call, you'll actually talk to me. 205-800-8000. I've got this. No representations made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after hours and bank account. Download BetU for iOS on the App Store today. Learn more about BetU by visiting their website, betu.us. That's bet, the letter U, dot U-S. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The warming trend continues today, partly to mostly sunny, the high 52. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with the low at 42. Tomorrow, cloudy, some light rain at times, the high 62. Wednesday, rain likely, maybe a thunderstorm, the high 67. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 41 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You know what they say, time flies when you're having fun. But we got time for a couple of uh, app messages that have come in this morning, Justin. Yeah, we do. We have two right here. Um, Hick on the app says Milrow will end up at Texas A&M after spring ball. Don't agree. They want him. Texas is home, and I think he will get lost in the mix with the new staff and scheme. No, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, what's the other one? The other one was Willie from the Western Slope up in, I'm guessing that's, says Carbondale, but also says Colorado. I don't know. Chris Walsh has an updated article saying we are currently at 77 scholarship players. I think he was wondering if there's any update on that roster. Now. Yeah, I think uh, they're a little bit under right now. But I, I want to say this to answer that question, we'll close it out. I, I think by the time fall rolls around, they're going to be, you know, between 80 and 85 scholarship players. I, I don't think this roster is going to be short at all. So, and, and probably be right at 84 or 5, but somewhere between 80 and 85. Hey, thanks for the app messages. Thanks for the uh, uh, great support of the program. As again, I want to thank everybody for making this the highest rated show on Tide. And uh, we want to keep it going in 2024. And certainly appreciate Justin's help with that as well. All right. To catch me on TV tonight with your local sports on WVUA 23. Then back here tomorrow, the Rocket Man, Rudy Armand, joins us on Tuesday for the Gary Harris Show at 9 a.m. Great sports talk all day long right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the 